Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am so delighted to have you listening today. In today's episode, I am going to talk about backyard woes. (laughs) Because let's be honest, when you have a dog and you have a backyard, you feel like excited, right? Like I've got this backyard. This is amazing. And in my experience, working both with my clients and also living in my backyard with my own dogs. There are a lot of things that come up in the backyard that hopefully I can offer some really tangible solutions for you today. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to just let you know that if you have been thinking about joining Reactive Redefined, you are in luck because Reactive Redefined will open in two weeks. Open for enrollment. It's been so much fun. Oh my gosh, this round of Reactive Redefined has been really great. There's just some amazing teams, all kinds of iterations of reactivity. And honestly, I'm going to miss them. (laughs) It's always really sad to say goodbye, but we are going to be excited to welcome a new group. So if you are interested in Reactive Redefined, you can join the wait list and you will get first access to enrollment and we send out early bird discounts to everyone on the wait list. So if you're interested in that, you can click the link in the show notes. And then for those of you who are new around here, um, we live in Colorado. <laughs> I have two AM staffs, Spicy and Waylon, and they're crazy and lovable and awesome all at the same time. So if you're new around here, welcome. I hope today's episode will be very helpful for you. All right, so let's talk about some backyard woes. So I want to just preface this that like if you have a backyard like I do, it is awesome. We got to consider ourselves lucky that we don't have to take our dogs to potty on leash all of the time, but it does come with its own set of challenges. <laughs> Let's be honest. So I'm going to break down some of the most common woes that happen for myself, that happen for my clients, and I'm going to offer some perspective on maybe some management things, maybe some training things that you can do to alleviate some of the woes and turn the backyard into more of a yay instead of a ugh. Yeah. Okay. So one of the most common things that comes up in the backyard is dogs not coming when called. (laughs) And I find that the bigger the backyard, the more exciting the backyard, the less recalling that the dog is doing. Okay. So if you have a giant backyard and your dog is not coming when called, I want you to think about working on some easy recalls when your dog isn't too far away from you as the first step in this plan. Okay. Because Expecting your dog to come when called if they're like at the furthest part of the yard and they haven't been doing that so far, we got to build up to that, (laughs) right? But I think that something that is awesome about the backyard is that it gives us an opportunity to practice almost every single day, right? We don't have to take the dog anywhere. We just have to let them in the backyard and we have an opportunity to practice. So if your dog has not been coming when you call them in the backyard, my suggestion to you is start today. Work on some really easy recalls and be sure to make it reinforcing, right? So make sure that you are rewarding your dog with whatever they find reinforcing, right? Whether that's some hot dogs, maybe that's some playtime, maybe that's some access back into the backyard coming when called is something that you have to work on consistently if you want your dog to provide the behavior consistently I will also say that if you need a recall training plan I created one it's called trustworthy recalls it's a digital course and it is actually on sale right now for the end of summer sale so if you are 
in need of like a step-by-step training guide, right? You're like, okay, Rachel, easy recalls, except for how do we get to the hard recalls? It's all inside of trustworthy recalls, okay? And you can join the hundreds of participants who put in the work and now their dog comes when they call them in the backyard. (laughs) I do also want to say that on the recall front, if you only call your dog when you're going to make them go inside, you're probably decreasing the probability of your dog coming when called, right? So I definitely think something really easy you can do is maybe you work on an easy recall in the backyard. You go out them with, out there with them. They come to you. You let them go back and sniff. Then maybe you go inside. You call them all the way inside. You reward, but then you let them go right back out, okay? Dogs are very perceptive to patterning and if you only ever call the dog to come inside and they don't want to come inside that's going to be a problem right so definitely make sure that it's reinforcing for your dog to come but also make sure that coming when called doesn't mean that the party stops okay so secondly in the most common backyard woes is barking Barking, 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 barking. So I first want to preface this by saying that it depends on who your dog is, what their breed is, what their motivations are. You might not get rid of the barking completely, okay? But decreasing the frequency and increasing your ability to redirect your dog are totally plausible things, okay? So I do want to say that there is a certain level of barking that I allow and don't interrupt or redirect my dogs from in the backyard. So our backyard backs up to a community park. And if the dog, there are other dogs or people playing in the park, usually my dogs don't care. But if there's someone walking like directly on the path and they have their their dog off leash and the dog runs up to the fence, my dogs will bark about that. And that's something that I just am like, yeah, you're right. I mean, that dog came up to your fence. Like, you're allowed to have some feelings about that. But my dogs will bark a little bit and then kind of let it go. It's not, like, excessive and it's not going on for forever. So you're going to have to kind of fill in the blanks here with your dog's um, intensity of barking, duration of barking, and ability to be redirected, okay? So barking is one of those that it's inevitable, right? Our dogs are going to bark in the backyard, but if the barking is getting excessive, maybe it's driving you crazy, maybe <laughs> your neighbor is frustrated with the barking in the backyard, I have a couple of suggestions for you, okay? So one, work on redirecting the dog, right? Work on your ability to redirect the dog and get them to stop barking. And spoiler, that's not just yelling no at them, (laughs) okay? Like we're all human, but just yelling no isn't going to help because your dog's going to be like, all right, they're barking too, okay? You really got to work on an effective way to redirect them to decrease that barking. So the recalling that I was just talking about, great way to work on that, okay? Great way to work on that. I think additionally, giving your dog some more productive things to do in the backyard can be a game changer for decreasing barking. Okay. My dogs love to eat outside. They love to have breakfast and dinner outside. So I feed them in the backyard often. And there is a football practice at the park behind our house in the evenings. And on days where my dogs are just a little bit more full of it, they will bark. So what I usually do is we'll just do dinner in the backyard out of an enrichment toy, (laughs) right? So like the Kong wobblers were great for that. Um, If you don't know what a Kong wobbler is, look it up. Your dog will probably like it. 
Um, but I think that giving your dog something more productive to do with their time in the backyard can be hugely helpful for decreasing barking. So if your dog likes to play, engage them in a game of play, do some fetch, do some tug. Um, maybe you do some, you know, chase, you throw the ball, the dog gets the ball, you chase them. However, you're, you and your dog can have fun together. I do think that giving them something more productive to do with their time in the backyard can be hugely helpful for decreasing the barking. Okay. And again, we're not going to get rid of the barking completely, but I want you to have some strategies to work on to decrease the barking, right? Additionally, I think that being able to ask your dog to do a behavior for a more extended amount of time can be super helpful. So this bridges us into another backyard woe that I deal with with a lot of my clients and it's dogs inability to settle down in the backyard right? Some dogs don't have this problem, right? Your dog might just like pass out in the sun and they're totally fine. And their inability to settle may be dependent on the time of day and outside stimulus, okay? So if your dog is barking slash (laughs) having an inability to settle, I love a stationing behavior. A stationing behavior is basically um, a prolonged downstay on a comfortable bed, blanket, towel, physical location right? And this is a skill that hopefully your dog has some sort of concept of in the house, right? Maybe um, you've crate trained them so they kind of understand that concept. But I find that getting a physical bed, right? So like I have one of those raised like PVC beds in the backyard. It's like waterproof. It's great. And I will do quite a bit of practicing and reinforcing my dogs for laying down in that specific area on that bed and making it a little bit more rewarding for them to offer more of the settling behavior that I am after. Okay. So I think that if your dog is, you know, kind of having an inability to like chill and take it down a couple of notches, let's teach them, right? Let's teach them how to do that. Right. And so often my clients call me because, you know, they're pissed about what the dog is doing in the backyard. And I'm like, well, what do you want them to do? And they're like, well, not do that. (laughs) And yeah, I feel you. That's superhuman. But if your dog is doing something you don't want them to do in the backyard, I want to challenge you to think about what would you rather they do, okay? So if you don't want your dog to bark, what would you rather they do? Maybe lay down on their bed next to you and kind of chill and keep it together and maybe lick a gong or take a nap, right? So think about what you actually want to see in place of the undesirable behavior in the backyard, okay? I think additionally, if your dog is having an inability settling down in the backyard, I think that I would try and set it up that maybe they go for a walk, a sniffy walk, maybe they go and run, maybe they go and chase their ball at the park. And then when you come home, you let them out in the backyard when they're already tired. That's probably going to increase the probability of their ability to settle if their needs have been met outside of that. If you are just meeting your dog's needs in the backyard, maybe you do a puzzle toy, maybe you do a game of fetch and then expect them to settle down. So really think about how you can just change the routine a little bit to get a little bit more settled behavior from your dog. Okay, so backyard woe number four, fence fighting. Whew. This I get called in for this a lot, and those of you who have been longtime listeners of this podcast know that this is not something that I am immune from. And when it comes to fence fighting, I do want to preface this by saying that I did an entire episode all about fence fighting, okay? So be sure to go back and listen to that one if fence fighting is your total issue, but I want to give you some few tangible steps. Um, I'm going to give you the condensed version, basically. Okay, so when we're looking at fence fighting, 
we want to think about a couple of things. So can we limit our dog's physical access to the fence line where the fence fighting is happening? Because the quicker we can decrease the practice of the behavior, the better. Because the more they practice it, the better it's going to get. Well, not for us, but the stronger the behavior is going to get of fence fighting and the harder it's going to be to resolve it. So if your dog is fence fighting, is there something physically we can do to prevent them from getting to where they are fence fighting, right? So maybe that is literally building a secondary fence. Maybe that is using a long leash or a tie out, right? And I know a lot, I get a lot of resistance from my clients when I, what I recommend the tie out because they're like, uh, the whole point of the backyard is for the dog to be off leash. Here, me out. The, the tie out is temporary, <laughs> right? Not forever, but you're going to need some sort of physical way to prevent them. If you can't do either of those, my suggestion is to let a leash drag on the dog, right? So maybe just like a really thin, short one, right? So it's not interfering with their ability to like run and do their thing in the backyard. But if push comes to shove and you need to get them away from the fence, you can pick up that leash, Okay. And I just, I want to preface this by saying that if your dog is fence fighting and you reach in and grab the dog, there is a chance that the dog could redirect and bite you. So I want you to use a lot of caution with that. Okay. Not all dogs are going to do that, but I want you to be really cautious about that. So we have to look at some physical way to be able to get them away from the fence, okay? Additionally, when we're looking at fence fighting, we not only want to prevent them from rehearsing the behavior, but we also want to decrease the intensity of the response that your dog provides when they hear the other dog out there. Maybe the other dog is just running around. Maybe they're at the fence line barking. We got to work on decreasing their arousal when they hear that and working on on an alternative behavior, right? So recalling, stationing, um, redirecting them to a puzzle toy or something like that. All of that is sufficient for working through those feelings. And like I said, I go into a lot of depth in this in the fence fighting episode, but fence fighting is something that like, you got to get that problem. (laughs) You got to get that. I don't even want to say problem. You got to get that undesirable behavior you got to decrease the likelihood of it happening if you have any hope of it going away and you being able to enjoy your backyard, okay? So backyard, whoa, number five, digging. (laughs) So I understand that not all people have backyards that they've devoted to the dogs and they'd like to keep it nice. I totally feel you on that. But when it comes to the digging, I think you have a couple of options. So one, would be to be proactive about supervising your dog. And if they are digging, redirecting them and preventing them from practicing or digging giant holes in your backyard, right? So that's definitely an option. That's contingent on your supervision though. Because if you are not supervising and the dog digs a hole, you don't get to yell at them after the fact, right? Because that's your fault for not supervising, right? So when it comes to digging, um, you definitely got to supervise them and prevent them from doing it. But you also have the option of redirecting them to an appropriate place to dig. So in our backyard, we have physical fences blocking the dogs off from the garden area that I don't want them to trample, right? We have American Staffordshire Terriers. They are bull in a china shop type dog. So we just built fences to protect the garden. But Spicy does like to dig in the backyard, which Honestly, I don't mind, except for she wants to dig a hole in the middle of the yard, which I don't want her to do. So if I catch her digging, I just redirect her to the corner of the yard where digging a hole is not a big deal. And I encourage her to do it there. 
right? There are also some really fun DIY uh, things you can do. Like I, I've, I've had a couple of clients get like those kiddie pools and put sand in there and create like literally a sand pit for the dog. So you can go next level if you want. But if you want your dog never to dig in the backyard, that's going to be on you to supervise them and prevent them from doing it, right? If you are like me and you don't really mind the digging, you just want it to happen in a specific location, be sure just to redirect them there. And additionally, you have the option to create a really fun little sand pit for them to dig in. Okay. Um, backyard woe number six pottying all over the place. Okay. So this is something that I get called in surprisingly a lot for, right? Like humans want the dog to go to the bathroom in a specific location, not all over the backyard right? So if you were like me, this is not a problem. I don't care about this at all. But if you do care about this, it's all on you. (laughs) Okay. The truth of the matter is if you want your dog to consistently go to the bathroom in a specific place in your backyard, you have to consistently take them there to do it. This is a very long, arduous process that is going to take your (laughs) utter attention. And you're basically going to have to escort your dog to potty for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks before you could expect your dog to do it without you. Okay. So it is possible. It's absolutely possible, but ask yourself, right? Like, do you really have the time and energy to make that happen? And does it really matter? Right. Okay. So, um, backyard, whoa, number seven, chasing animals, (laughs) barking at animals, squirrels, bunnies. I know lots of people live lots of places with lots of animals. And that's something that when it comes to chasing animals, one, I don't think we need to decrease it completely, right? Like your dog is allowed to like chase and yell at the squirrel that's in their backyard, right? Like I think that that's well within their right. But I think it really becomes problematic when it becomes obsessive and intense and it's going on for a long amount of time, okay? So if your dog is doing what feels like an excessive amount of chasing animals, right? Or barking at animals or being obsessed and looking for animals, I wanna, I wanna take you back to what we were just talking about, right? Working on recall, working on stationing, giving them more productive things to do with their time in the backyard, All of those things can be hugely helpful. So if you are new to this podcast and you haven't heard me talk about a flirt pole, look it up. A flirt pole is an amazing way to engage a dog with a high prey drive and give them a more productive outlet for those instincts and hopefully satiate them and decrease the need for them to do it in the backyard so much right? And again, I don't think this is something that we're going to get rid of completely because we don't need to, but if it's happening a lot and maybe it's driving you crazy, maybe you feel like it's not productive for your dog, I definitely think that you can work on recalling them away, asking them to to go to their station and making it reinforcing for them, maybe taking them out in the backyard and like the crazy squirrel time and doing some flirt pole play instead, and then hopefully they will settle down, right? So chasing animals is one that's Never going to go away, but there's lots of things we can do to rein it in if we need. Okay? So backyard woe, number eight, play problems. (laughs) So this is really for those of you who have multiple dogs. (laughs) If you just have one dog, this probably isn't a problem because they're not playing with anybody. But something that has come up a lot in my work over the years is multi-dog households that the dogs are 
Obviously, you have a backyard because you want the dogs to be able to play, right? But the problem is, is that the play isn't always nice or productive, and maybe it's escalating to scuffles and things of that nature. And something that I think that you can do immediately is to evaluate the setup of your backyard and try and promote the play. So a lot of backyards are like big, open, grassy areas, maybe a tree, maybe a little bit of garden, but it's like really open. And while maybe that is what you want visually for your backyard, a big open space like that lends itself to a lot of problems with play because there's not a lot of physical things to slow the play down. Okay, or shift the dynamic of the play, right? So I do think that literally putting like physical objects to slow play down can be hugely helpful, right? So in our backyard, we have a table in the middle of the yard. We have some chairs to the side of the yard. And both of those places act as a really nice slow the play down station. So that's something that like my dogs will get zipping around the backyard. And when Waylon wants to slow the play down, because usually he wants to play less intense than spicy, he will go underneath the table, right? And that slows the play down. Maybe he'll go underneath the chair and that slows the play down. So I think you can look at maybe, you know, throwing some things in the yard to slow the play down, right? And as silly as it sounds, right, a chair in the middle of a grassy area could actually be super helpful for slowing play down, which I hear you. You're like, Rachel, I don't want a chair in the middle of my grass forever and always. That's fine. But maybe, you know, you have it out there when the dogs are going to be playing crazy, right? If you have dogs that don't resource guard, I do also think like having a nice abundant supply of toys out there can be hugely helpful, right? So a dog can maybe pick up a toy and chase a dog or be chased by the dog with the toy in their mouth. That can also be hugely helpful, right? But I really, I really think that just simply adding a few physical objects to where the dogs are playing could be hugely helpful for slowing the play down and in turn decreasing play from turning into play problems, right? Okay, so the last backyard woe, and I really hope that this isn't a woe for you, but this has been a woe for me, is jumping fences. Ooh, rough, rough, super rough one. So the unfortunate thing with Amstaffs is that they are athletic and they are confident and they do not see barriers the same way I would like them to see barriers. And unfortunately, both Waylon and Spicy have been known to hop fences, okay? So and in order to prevent the fence hopping, like I was mentioning before, we have kind of built what you could call a moat in our backyard. So our backyard is fenced on three sides and all three sides of the fence line, the dogs don't have access to because we have secondary fences, right? So we basically just like created a moat for them to live inside, okay? If your dog is hopping the fence, you have no option except for <laughs> some sort of physical way to prevent them from hopping the fence and or supervising, Okay, and I hear you. This is a hard problem. This is not a fun one. If your dog is hopping your fence, that's a that's a bummer for sure. But we have found that with the secondary fences, while Spicy will still hop the garden fence sometimes, she has not hopped completely out of the yard ever, right? And thankfully, in Waylon's older age, he is doing way less fence hopping, although I never put it past him, right? But if your dog is hopping the fence, 
building some sort of physical secondary fence, maybe making the fence taller, coyote rollers are something that I've had a few clients invest in over the years, right? So it's basically something you build on top of the fence so that the dog can't get physical traction to get over the fence. Additionally, a tie out works really well right? So they still have plenty of access to run. Well, I shouldn't say run. They have plenty of access to meander and do their thing out there, but they can't physically hop the fence. Okay. So everyone, backyard woes. If you're having backyard woes, you are not alone. I hope that this episode has been helpful. It's giving you some tangible steps that you can take. If you feel like you have exhausted all of these tangible steps, you might be to the point where calling in a professional would be advantageous, right? Um, I get called into a lot of backyards with a lot of different dogs and we can customize plans, right? So if you need support with that, be sure to reach out to a professional trainer. Um, I would be happy to work with you. Everybody, it's been so fun. It's been so fun. I love this podcast so much. And I just want to give a shout out to the, all the amazing people that have left reviews on this podcast. If you've been listening for a while and you haven't left a review, it would be hugely helpful for me. Um, I read every single review. They make me very, very happy. And additionally, more reviews make it easier for other dog guardians to access this podcast. So everyone have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode.